episode 149. My name is Dave Hunt, and I'm joined by Michael Swick. How's it going, Dave? Uh, we, we, we got news to talk about. Uh, video games are coming out real soon. Uh, it, it, video games are starting to get a little bit exciting. I don't know if it's just because, like, E3 might be back, so I'm like, I want to cover games more. Uh, well, it goes hand in hand. I had to scrape my car one day this week to drive it, mm-hmm. and therefore that means that video games are coming out because it's getting near the hot the cold. Yes, Dave saw his breath, which means <laughs> games are coming. It's the, the groundhog of gaming. Yeah. I found out my new car, or new-to-me car, has a remote start on it, and when I remote start it and the the outside temperature is below a certain number, I don't know what this number is, but the other day must have been cold enough that my heated seat and heated steering wheel turn on by themselves. Ah, Dave just moving on so, up in life over here. Yeah, my 2015 Dodge Dart. Hey, sure. man, <laughs> it's, it's within like 10 years. That's pretty fancy. <laughs> All right, so uh, we are Digital Days Gaming. We are a weekly podcast that goes live every Thursday morning on podcast services, 6 a.m. Eastern Time. We also stream on Twitch, twitch.tv slash digitaldaysgaming, where you can follow for free, subscribe for five bucks, or subscribe for free with Twitch Prime. Prime Gaming, whatever that, I can't keep track of what it's called. Prime Gaming. Um, but link, yeah, link your Amazon account and your Twitch, your Amazon Prime account to Twitch, and you get Prime Gaming. There's a bunch of cool, like, uh, free... Uh, battle packs cosmetic things for a bunch of games every month um as well as you get a free subscription to a streamer of your choice if you want to use that on us that's super helpful but just make sure you use it at least on any streamer and don't let uh amazon keep that money so they got enough money they do um (laughs) we've got a bunch of other links in the show notes facebook group discord server uh teesprings paypal any of those ways that things that you guys have asked to to communicate with us or support us it's all linked in the show notes and um with that, we're going to jump right into the news. Yeah. Uh, Google has shut down Stadia. So we're a little late on this one. I think this happened a day after we recorded, uh, but we kind of had to talk about this because it's fucking hilarious. Uh, our, our, I'm already starting with the cursing this, this early into the show. But uh, Google has officially decided that they are done with the streaming service uh, and they're just going to end it completely. Uh, they said they might repurpose the technology for something, but that's something they've already said they were looking into with partnering with other companies and just being like, hey, we know how to stream video games with low latency. Please <laughs> lease this from us. But they, Phil Harrison, who's in charge of Stadia, which, man, Phil Harrison has like a long list of companies that he's been there for. Like, that, that <laughs> didn't go well uh, that he's been there for, uh, but continues to to get jobs in high places, uh, surprisingly. Not, I'm not saying it's his fault or anything, but it just definitely is a track record. But uh, <laughs> the reasons for shutting it down is they just couldn't gain traction in the gaming market. And then there was an offhand comment that Xbox's acquisition of Bethesda and Activision was concerning and was a roadblock for them in the future, something they saw could have been a roadblock in their future, which... Uh, I don't know if you want to just talk about that section right there. Like, I think it makes sense from a standpoint of like, they need to work with third parties to get those games mm-hmm. on their services. And, and, and we've watched in the last two years, third parties dwindle into first party. Yes. Um, no matter what, whomever. Um, and it's kind of one of these things where they can't get a, a grasp on, on the market without having stuff. That's possibly only like ultimately only playable there and they never really got that Mm -hmm. um 
you know, like like the tech worked. When I would mess with it, it would work. But like, why, why would you buy something that's like a single player game that you can you you could stream and own a console? So that like that was the problem. Like the market of what they were going after was the gamer that doesn't have a console. Well, sorry, they're not really gamers if they don't have a console. And, so, and they would not know how to stream a game sort right. of thing. Like, yeah. So I think I feel like that the the majority of your of the video game market is in is in two camps. And we've talked about this. You got a PC player and you got console players. There's not much in between and, and I guess the third one you could call mobile players. Mobile players very rarely mess with consoles lately. They've just kind of moved to mobile and that's where they are. PC players are in PC and then console players are in console. You get a couple people that like con- that, like you or, you or I that'll kind of blur that line between PC and console, but like even like you said, you know, half joking, half serious, like my PC is a console. Yes. It doesn't do anything like ridiculously strong. Um, so I don't really know who Stadia's audience was trying to be because like to, to appeal to us or even people that are probably listening to the show, whether they're PC gamers or console gamers, they would have to have something at a better price, which they didn't, or have something you can't get anywhere else, which they didn't. They, and the, no, go go ahead. Go ahead. And the reason that they're pointing at Xbox is because Xbox did cloud gaming in addition to, not in replacement of. Yes. Yeah. Then that's key. It's just like the acquisitions are the icing on the cake for Xbox's cloud services, which works almost as well as Stadia. Not quite as well. Stadia had really good technology, but mm-hmm. Xbox has good tech for streaming and they continue to build up a library for that streaming service, which lets them like reiterate and figure out what to do. And and you can't also just buy a game to stream on Xbox. I don't. I, I don't. I'm not 100 percent for sure on this because I only use the cloud stuff with my Game Pass subscription. But I don't know if I could buy Halo Infinite or like Grounded. I played Grounded this week. Grounded works on my phone also. I don't know if I could buy Grounded. And play it on my so phone. They are... I think the only way you have access to the cloud is to games on the cloud is through Game Pass. So they I are know that like it. there's free to play games like Fortnite. Yeah. It, you know, you can play on the cloud and that's free to play. And you can play that on your phone. We've heard about that. But in terms of like buying any said game, any game. Where I don't even know what it would be, like Fallout, any Xbox I mean, or even a third party game that, you know, like I don't know. I can't even think of an example. Like Assassin's Creed Odyssey. If I buy it on Xbox, I don't have access to it. I can't download the um, the Xbox app and play it on my phone over 5G. Because I, whenever I play over cloud gaming, it's always through the Game Pass app. Yeah, they are opening that up. I believe a sm- uh, like a section of the purchases are streamable but it's a small slice it's not like a full right. one-to-one like here's your entire it's, library it's not it's not xbox's core like yeah ex- like we've like sony wants you to buy boxes xbox wants you to buy subscriptions and stadia wanted you to buy cloud yeah and and they, they didn't even know like you know like are we going to be a la carte or are we going to be a netflix and they couldn't figure that quite out and then game pass just kind of ran over them and it, they they were they didn't know what they wanted to market to. It's just like, okay, the casuals would be the console players. I, I know that sounds bad, but the, the casual yeah, no, market 
are going to be like, I just want the box that does the thing that has the game. You know, that's the casual market. And then the PC people want bleeding edge technology. You're not you're not satisfying either one of those markets with Stadia. Yeah, they want you got you got like a, a person that wants to, you know, like we've talked about, like the Call of Duty guy, Call of Duty Madden guy. Or you got the person that wants 120 frames, 144 hertz. Yeah. And they're just not neither market is satisfied with Stadia. Uh, Google will be refunding all hardware and game sale purchases. Uh, which is a good move for them. I, I think it also is them just being like, let's just avoid the class action lawsuits that would come after. Uh, and it also might be a sign of like, it made so little money sales wise that it means nothing to Google to just refund all that. Uh, Cause we are talking about like a gigantic company uh, that has the money to refund it. And yeah. they're just like, you know what? Screw it. It didn't, didn't do a, it didn't do big enough that it's going to matter. I also think that this is them being their own worst enemy and the only way to buy Google or to buy games to play on Stadia was through Stadia or, you know, or, you know, you couldn't go to Green Man Gaming and get a code and input it in for Stadia. Mm-hmm. Like the only way to get a game was through the Stadia store. Yeah. Um, similar to how, like, if for whatever, like random, you know, like hypo- hypothetical thing, if Sony shut down their PS store. Like anything that was purchased on their PS store would have to be refunded because they're turning the access off, and you can see the sales that were on there. But they couldn't give they couldn't give you a refund for a game you bought at GameStop or Target or Walmart. Mm-hmm. Like you couldn't, but you can't do that with Stadia. Yeah, so so like the the amount of refunds they have to issue out are simpler compared to other storefronts mm-hmm. that would close. Uh, they hope to have those refunds processed sometime next year. Uh, that I just assume that like they'll probably hit their goal of January eighteenth. Uh, that's the last day Stadia would be alive, uh, but we'll see what happens with that. It, it could take a while, depending on how many things they need to process. Uh, developers and publishers—they uh, all found out when the public found out, uh, and there were people that there were publishers that just announced stuff coming to Stadia like that day that Stadia announced it was shutting down. I think Playon had the funny tweet like they they announced like Hot Wheels is coming like to hot, yeah the Hot Wheels game to yeah. Stadia, and then four hours later they're like. Well, uh, I guess that's happening. And uh, there are developers who are actively developing games for Stadia because it isn't just a simple flick of a switch to get stuff on Stadia. So now you have developers who are just like, what the fuck? Like we put resources into this thing and now nothing's going to become of it. Uh, But I guess that is one of those things where it's just like there, there probably wasn't much of a payoff anyways. So... Mm-hmm. you had to know if you're developing for stadia it could get pulled at any time uh yeah and this sounds very similar to when they when playstation announced they were closing the vita store people were like huh like devs were like wait mm-hmm. what yeah <laughs> like, so i don't think these decisions come uh lightly and then i think when they decide it they're just like okay just go like like just put it out now before we change our mind or before something becomes a rumor just if we're gonna if we're if we're gonna do it we voted it passed go mm-hmm yeah, I, and it doesn't give people a lot of time to to make changes or some of those developers might be like, well, we already put this much effort into it. We might as well just f- bring it to the finish line. Uh, Bungie, IO Interactive, Ubisoft, uh, amongst other developers and publishers have said they're going to look into transferring saves for players who are on Stadia. Uh, I thought Bungie had like a whole thing set up for you, but Bungie said they were looking to transferring um 
so Saints. like Bungie has cross save. Um, so if you are a Stadia exclusive player, you can cross. I would if for some if you're listening to this and you play Destiny on Stadia only and you haven't played on anything else, I would say like right now just go to Bungie.net and just cross save it to every platform. Yeah, and, like and to I, P, to to PC, to PlayStation, to Xbox, just just to do it. Yeah, I, I'm wondering if Bungie said that they're looking into it just to be like, we got to find a way t- for you to save your character because the Stadia player might not have another platform to right. save it to. So they're looking into it. Uh, IO, who has Hitman, and then Ubisoft has Ubisoft was probably the biggest partner. A on lot, Stadia. yeah. Like I'm like a like Assassin's Creed saves like, and are they gonna like allow one time? transfer from like transfer from stadia to the ubisoft store to the ub account or uh ub connect and then from connect to a platform um like i i think that would be how like that would go because i think if they sit there and say oh you have to choose the platform you're transferring it to they should just give them the option to transfer it to all platforms and then you can only pull it once yeah or some of these companies might just be like okay we'll just issue out a pc code like right. the game's old enough that it's not going to be like a a burden financially for them and and to your point like it like as an example if we use Assassin's creed odyssey as an example like the number of people that probably purchased it on stadia and that are gonna say something that they want their their money back or whatever are probably in the hundreds i i would probably be safe to say that yeah <laughs> uh, but there were stories like someone uh had played red dead 2 for 600 hours mm-hmm. and they're they're losing that character you know, they're losing that right. data and it's not easy to just transfer saves. Like some work needs to be done to make sure that save can be basically read. And in terms of like Ubisoft, Ubisoft connect isn't connected to every Ubisoft game. Cause that's something they started with uh watchdogs mm-hmm. Legion, I believe was the first game. Uh, so yeah. like now Ubisoft has to be like, will it be worth to Ubisoft connect some of our older games? And they'll have to look at that player count and it might end up just being like, hey, if you have a save, we'll check your account and we'll just issue a redemption code uh, for, for, yeah, for like a new game. Fill out, fill out this survey and pick whatever other code yeah, you want. You're going to lose your save, then... but here's at least a copy of the game. Who knows? Like, yeah. I feel like that's what's going to happen because the the amount of work that could go into like, okay, let's make sure the save's compatible with every platform that the person mm-hmm. might be able to go to uh, could be could be a lot of work. Uh, but yeah, Stadia. How how long was that, Dave? Did did we last longer than Stadia? I was gonna say. I think. <laughs> no, no, no. Stadia was in beta when we were at the last uh, podcast. Uh, so, okay, yeah, I, I, we definitely have been hosting a show together. Uh, yeah. longer than Stadia. So. So Stadia publicly launched on November nineteenth, two thousand nineteen. Okay. And we started October 2019. No, November 1st, 2019. So we are older than Stadia. There we go. Now, it might have been in, like you said, early access beta form, but the official, like, go live date for Stadia Stadia says November 19th, 2019. Well, technically, we got to last until January 19th, so we can't, like, count count our shit yet. All right. Well, I hate to tell you, but my two-week notice is January, like, 8th. Ah, damn. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just, just couldn't be or, or as soon as the stadia is over you're gonna be like yep, cancel just done i can't like that's just too many platforms are gone i can't do it can't anymore. do it you're a stadia believer yeah. man what are those like stadia stan <laughs> accounts gonna do because man the, the ones on twitter were well the funny part is again destiny related so there is a 
Um, so Destiny has checkpoints. Like you can have certain things that people like to hold as like a farming thing. Like in in the in in a raid, there's an there's an encounter where it's like a whole bunch of like endless endless ads that spawn, and people use that these things to level characters up. They'll you they'll farm dungeon boss checkpoints and. It's sometimes getting to those checkpoints is hard. Like, and in, in the game will reset every week, and then sometimes you can hold a checkpoint. Like, you can, you know, put a macro in your computer, and you can like have your character move around, and and it'll hold the checkpoint through reset. But when they release an update or a hotfix, it kicks you out. The the cool thing about Stadia is it doesn't kick you out because the updates are server side, mm-hmm. and you're connected to the server the whole time. So there are people like that have a Discord server that holds these somehow holds these checkpoints with characters i'm not i don't know how this works but they're able to stay there like the game thinks that somebody's there and you can join on this person and die and and then you have the checkpoint Mm -hmm. and there's like there's a guy that does this and he's tweeted out he's like i'm looking into what's it called nvidia now which is a similar service um so there it's funny like there's a lot of things that that the server side benefit benefited i'm sure other games that were on stadia focus on this destiny made a big deal about free to play uh in general and launched free to play and stadia like all around the same time like shadow keep came out in september of this year and they said hey we're coming to stadia like they were there on day one mm-hmm. and it was kind of like you i think you even got shadow keep if you bought a stadia founders pack at one something point in time. Like that, yeah. something there was some bundle so like they were they were entwined in that as well so it'll be curious to see what what all these companies do um, like Ubisoft and Bungie and and these other people that it invested and thought that this would work, um, you know, and either or took Google's money, which is probably what it was. Yes, basically. <laughs> like Google, it seemed like they didn't understand. Like they just thought that they could make their own games, but they didn't realize that like those take several years to make, and they just couldn't do it. Which is why they like after two years dissolved like their their uh, first party studio like they didn't even get that far into publishing and developing games and they were just like you know what nope we're not doing this because they possibly didn't understand like it takes a while to build a team and then you actually have to develop the game and they just weren't they didn't have the foresight for that like it's kind of baffling to like figure out exactly what their thought process was in terms of like, we, we're going to make our own games. Oh, games take how long to develop? And then they just mm-hmm. gave up on it. So I, I don't know what they were thinking. Uh, so then they just started to throw money at third parties and it wasn't even a lot of money apparently because the third parties didn't really show up. Right. Uh, you know, they got, they got big ones, you know, they got Bungie, they got Rockstar to bring Red Dead Redemption, uh, but they probably ended up spending way more money than they had to on those few publishers and games that they couldn't flesh out the rest of the service but Mm -hmm. that's enough about stadia uh let's talk about uh saudi arabia uh they want to spend 13 billion dollars to acquire a leading game publisher a triple a game publisher uh and this is 13 billion out of the 37.8 billion that they plan to spend on the gaming industry uh, so currently right now, Saudi Arabia, they're like trying to diversify their money away from oil as much as possible. Uh, so they've been developing or they've been investing into different game companies. So like they have SNK, I think they're the majority shareholders in SNK. They have a little bit of Capcom. Uh, they have a good chunk of Embracer, 
So Embracer has been funding a lot of that that company's like spending spree. Um, but they they announced that like they have roughly you know was it like th- I just said thirty seven point eight billion to invest and thirteen billion they want to give to one company, one publisher. Who that publisher is, we don't know. Uh, but for fun, uh, I decided to get the uh, market cap of various publishers. Uh, market cap isn't the best way to figure out like mm-hmm. the value of a company, but it's a good base. So, and I, I basically uh, like companies that are up for grabs currently. I guess kind of. Um, so, Capcom is five billion. Square Enix is five billion. Ubisoft is three point seven billion. Embracer Group is seven billion. EA is thirty-two billion. Take Two is nineteen billion, and Warner Brothers Interactive are valued somewhere around four billion. They're a little bit more complicated because they're just an arm in a larger conglomerate. But mm. those are the values of those companies. Obviously, if you're going to buy a company, you have to pay more than their market cap. Probably double up of what their current value is. So in that $13 billion range would be Capcom, Square Enix, Ubisoft, Embracer Group, and Warner Brothers. Um, So I don't know what this would mean if that, like the fact that they said they have $13 billion to spend makes me think they already have an idea and probably have already started to talk to a company because 13 billion is a very specific dollar mm-hmm. amount. And those are the companies that they could aim for with 13 billion. Uh, I, I don't know what that means in terms of like, what is a Saudi Arabian owned company looks like um, unrelated though. Tencent said they are going to be more aggressive in acquiring majority stakes in studios. So it sounds like we got a little bit of a, a bidding war between Saudi Arabia and China, basically. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that I can compare, like even remotely close to, and I don't know enough about it is the LIV tour, the golf tour that Saudi Arabia has been funding through Greg Norman, where they've been buying golfers. Mm -hmm. Um, And they have essentially bottomless pit of money like an endless wallet like the amount of money the amount of guaranteed money they've been throwing at golfers that they've gotten to come over as well as the rumored amount of money they threw at somebody like tiger woods they said hey we'll give you like 200 billion or something i i I might have it wrong but like like 200 million a year just to just to play and he like he you know obviously he turned it down and um so yeah i think with you being a saudi or uh arabian uh purchaser like you you automatically incur a convenience tax um so but i find it interesting just looking at some of this data like i know that embracer group just like acquires like a good chunk of square enix studios but without digging super deep into embracers ips and stuff like that like i think ubisoft is low on this like cost like that you know i know it's not a like a fail safe you know like it's what their stock Bungie is was worth more than ubisoft or <laughs> Well, no, Bungie, you know what I'm yeah, like yeah, it's, it's uh, Ubisoft's only worth a little bit more than Bungie, right? Because Bungie was right. like two something. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. After retainer cost, yeah. and yeah, I guess if if talent retainership is is factored into this, that that's that's where your numbers are coming from. So let's say four billion for Ubisoft, double to 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 purchase and own the rights to the IP, another three million to for um to for talent uh, retention, and then you know maybe two billion to pay off the people that need to go away that you don't want around anymore. Yeah. Um. So like that, like they're the Ubisoft's the one that makes the most sense to me. I I don't think I like Capcom. No. Like I don't at the the point in time what what they've been able to do lately with their stuff in their own their own way like they're they're trending up and I and, I don't see I I see them doing nothing but growing and Japan has rules in terms of like non Japanese right. you know companies yeah. or countries in this case buying and then prop, I don't I don't you know? think Square Enix peeled off those things for almost nothing just to be bought by somebody else so no. like you kind of like that kind of I take Square Enix off the list like EA's not possible Take Two's not possible. Yeah. Warner Brothers doesn't know what it is. They they don't like they they would try to like fragment the IPs to you. But like so basically when Warner Brothers was asking for 4 billion, most of the market was like you're crazy. That's too much money. But would Saudi Arabia be like we'll pay that um and we'll pay the extra money to make sure we get like the Mortal Everything. Kombat IP, the yeah. Batman IP. Everything. Yeah, so in the order of like possibilities, I would put Ubisoft first. Warner Brothers second, yeah. Embracer third, like I don't know who's behind the Embracer. Saudi Arabia, of the Chris- uh, they've given Embracer like two billion already to acquire okay. things. So Embracer's kind of got home field advantage in terms of that. Okay, uh, but yeah, I agree. Like in terms of like if Saudi Arabia wants to make a splash and say like we have a triple yeah. A publisher, it, that's not Embracer Group. Not unless Embracer Group renames itself something, you know, and and really comes out heavily before they get purchased. But or when Saudi Arabia purchases them, they like I I guess at the same time like eventually any name could be relevant. But Embracer just doesn't seem like to me doesn't yeah seem like a relevant video game publishing company. Not name. yet. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They hope so. to one day. Right. Uh, yeah, but who knows what this means? The ten the ten cent thing doesn't bother me because like ten cent has had their hands and everything, and so far we again like I've been saying for years now we haven't heard of ten cent messing with anybody. Yeah, Saudi Arabia will definitely uh, a Saudi Arabia board, a Saudi Arabia group of owners. They'll definitely be a, I think a little bit more vocal, or or they'll when they acquire a video game company they will put a name in front of it to run it. Like a, like a significant name because that's just I feel like that's just how they function. Mm-hmm. Um, but they might whether, implement their values into what they make if it's hundred percent owned by them. If that makes sense, right? Yeah, uh, and that's where there but, would be concern. But they they would they would get a big a big name in the video game industry to be the face of this. Phil company. Harrison. <laughs> <laughs> Similar to how they've done with Greg Norman for the golf thing, um, even. The guy that owns the Jaguars, and he owns a soccer team in in Europe, I believe, and he owns, is it AEW? What does he own? Oh, uh, to- no, Sh- no, so, Khan um, or- Nick Khan, or no, no, so it's Tony Khan and Shad Khan. Um, Sh- yeah. Yeah, but I don't think they, do they do stuff with Saudi, because WWE definitely works with Saudi Arabia, they basically do yeah. their, I think Saudi Arabia threw like $10 million But I, I believe I believe he's Saudi Arabian, no, correct? No, no, he's not. Okay. Um, I, never mind. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, you might be confused because like there's Nick Khan who works for WWE who basically helped get the deal with WWE in Saudi Arabia. 
Um, but I could look up uh, because uh, Tony Khan, the owner of AEW, takes shot at WWE for working with Saudi Arabia. So I would assume okay. that he they wouldn't have no partnership because he's very vocal on Twitter about WWE working with Saudi Arabia. Uh, but yeah, like Saudi Arabia does have their hands in a lot of pots and they don't mind throwing money around. Like basically they use WWE right. to like make propaganda videos twice a year. Uh, yeah. when they do their crown jewel event uh so and it sounds like they're doing well, the same me, thing let, the me, let, me, let me ask you let me ask you a question though because like this comes up in the sports world that i like heavily involve myself in when i'm not doing video game stuff um would them buying if they bought square enix or bought ubisoft would it quest make you question your purchases of supporting of those companies i think so like i think i would be at the point of all the stuff that's happened there you know with like the the, the journalist uh, a couple years ago i think i would question it and then i would also just be worried about like what they would change because like tencent as of right now what you said earlier they're very hands-off they throw the money mm-hmm. and their hands off but they also said like hey we're going to be more aggressive in just acquiring companies period so we yeah. haven't seen a fully owned tencent company yet and i would be right. worried with saudi arabia because the, they the, mess the, with square the, enix would we get in near the stuff coming out of the out of, out of the live tour has been nothing but positive mm-hmm. um but it's also golf you know, they, they, it's not resident like, evil it's not right final fantasy uh so but i meant in terms of how they're taking care of the of the their new employees or people that they hire they pay to be an employee of them like that's all been good yeah i mean they now, pay people i'm not gonna get into the i'm yeah. not gonna get into the politic aspect of who they're like you know, they're, they're linking up with and who is there isn't on their tv network i don't want to get into all that stuff that but a saudi arabian owned sports league is taking care of its athletes so i would hope that if this is a similar group that they take care of their employees you know, so they, they could you know take care of their employees in terms of paying them a nice wage but in terms of creative freedom you would have mm-hmm. to wonder if they would look at some of the Final Fantasy storylines, characters, and go, no. You know, it's different, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of like, it's golf. You know, they're not going to be like, mm-hmm. I don't like the way he hits that ball. I mean, they probably could, right. and they would probably get, a, you know, they'd probably get some people to change <laughs> yeah. their swings. But for the most part, it's just like it's the most sterile sport you can do, you right. know. Uh, so I would imagine, you know, they would do that. It's, it's like, talk about wrestling uh when wwe's in saudi arabia the women have to wear full body suits you know they they do certain things like that and then you can't they they wouldn't even allow wrestlers yeah i I see i see your point like if they if they purchased i didn't mean to cut you off i'm sorry but if they purchased ubisoft would you have a female assassin yeah yeah and then there's other things too because i know that that also has like you know religious reasoning behind it in terms of you know like how you know people dress uh, but there's also some things where um, one of the wrestlers, uh, he runs a charity for Syria. He's not allowed to be on those shows because they don't agree with him politically. And there's a couple wrestlers that because of stuff they tweeted and they might support certain communities that they are not allowed to be on the Saudi Arabia shows. And they always need to have like a storyline reason for why they're not at that show. So that is like, Saudi Arabia kind of dictating like, hey, you got to change your storyline because you got a show coming up here. 
So you need to either tell some wrestlers to go on vacation because we can't have them in a country. And there's aspects like that to where you wonder if they're developing video games, mm-hmm. what they would green light or allow. Right. Uh, yeah, for sure. So that would be, especially if you're looking at like a Square Enix, uh, Ubisoft and Embracer would probably be the safest ones in terms of like, because mm-hmm. uh, Embracer, I don't think Embracer has loyalty to any franchise. So they can kind of yeah, do what but they want. even even then, like Ubisoft has kind of gone out of its way to make sure that they have diversified their games. Yeah, with different cultures and, 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 and uh, different yeah. protagonists. So that could be something that could be an issue. But also, Assassin's Creed is probably the easiest franchise to be like, oh, we're focusing on these different these specific periods and these specific cultures right. now. Uh, to where, like, I don't think they would cancel anything previously announced, but it might change what they go in the future. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, there's definitely different aspects that can help. Embracer's probably the most, like, sterile company they could take at this point <laughs> in terms of just yeah. like, oh, yeah, they got the Alien games. You know, they got the Destroy Human games and whatever the fuck else Embracer has. Uh, Saints Row. Saints Row, you could probably uh, change slightly and it'll be okay especially whatever yeah. Saints Row is now. Uh, so so there's there's a lot of, like, murky water, waters that, like, would come from this, uh, but it's also one of those things where, like, me and Dave aren't the most politically savvy people, so it's kind of hard for us to really, like, dig into this. Uh, but there is a lot of... I mean, I, I can, I just We won't. can, yeah, we as well. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely something that, like, if they do acquire a Square Enix or uh, an, uh, an Ubisoft. I don't, I don't want to lose the few listeners we have. Yeah. So. Uh, it, it's, it's one of those things where if they do acquire a big studio, then we will probably have to have a big discussion on what it means. Because yeah. right now, trying to guess at which studio would fit uh, is kind of difficult because there are some companies that they could buy that we probably wouldn't see a big difference in the output. But there are companies right. that we could see a big difference in what they develop. And I'd be curious to how the European courts and the U.S. courts, you know, they'd probably fight it like they would probably really try to push on that mm-hmm. you know versus again i don't want to keep comparing it to golf but when they started the live tour they started it they didn't acquire it they started it versus them acquiring something to where that the purchases could have to go you know um ubisoft is primarily based out of france correct like the whole yes, headquarters in canada yeah so like if, if you're purchasing that like i'm assuming you have to go through those courts the united kingdom courts or or I don't know if it's called courts over there, but there's their checks and balances. Yeah. You would have to basically, if you have a studio in a country, then you have to go through that system. So they would have to go through the U S Canada and France. And then like the Singapore, uh, because they have a studio in Singapore. Uh, so they would have to go through all those. Uh, and then embracer group is probably a whole completely different headache because they, they're all Mm -hmm. over the world. Uh, and then, you know, the Japanese companies probably would, have a lot of difficulties because you know you'd be moving a company outside of japan or control of a company mm-hmm. outside of japan yeah i don't i mean i guess the only like i could actually possibly see like a fragment of like i don't even know like and it would have to, it would probably come with ips but i could see like a a fragment of ubisoft breaking off yeah but that would be so like if you're not getting assassin's creed 
I know, yeah. but I mean, like, yeah, to your point, what would be 13 billion if you don't get Assassin's Creed? Tom and you Clancy. Don't get, like, Far Cry or Tom Clancy, correct. Yeah. But man, what would. If, if, Tom Clancy's an iffy franchise to give to. Uh, I know, uh, but I mean, I guess at the same time, like, what do you. Like, if you get some of these Ubisoft Enter Destination Here studios, like, you're, you're like, I don't think you could get massive. I don't think, you know. Basically, if you're not named Ubisoft Insert City. Like you might be difficult, right. which I, for the most part, it's just massive, <laughs> which would be the one that would be yeah. uh, difficult to grab. Uh, but yeah, Red Storm. But right. I mean, like I, I don't really know more of those because I don't. And they may or may not exist. But I also think they've turned them into Ubisoft Quebec, Ubisoft Toronto, Ubisoft France, Ubisoft Singapore, or whatever. Yeah. Like they definitely have uh, as they acquire uh, companies. But I, I get. I really think we will probably see Saudi Arabia purchase someone because, again, I think the dollar amount is too specific. Uh, especially they're talking about spending forty billion, and then they earmarked specifically thirteen or forty billion, but they earmarked thirteen billion. Makes it seem like they probably are already talking to a company. Though I just realized. Tencent owns a good chunk of Ubisoft and they almost acquired like a chunk of Ubisoft to almost have like first rights to Ubisoft. So it might, it might be Embracer. It might be Embracer. Yeah. And, and, and maybe that, that, that previous acquisition Embracer made was to make them more purchasable. Yeah. To like justify to like whatever this organization has to answer to in Saudi Arabia of like, Mm -hmm. Oh, this is a big company. Like they're worth $7 billion. Ignore the fact they that they have Tomb Raider. Yeah. <laughs> Ignore the fact that two billion is from us. You know, like they're worth seven billion now. Uh, it, yeah. it could be that could be the play because I just it, I just realized that like Tencent like has first rights to Ubisoft at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, let's move on to probably some quicker stories. Uh, one I just put in here because you know Dave accomplished uh, a, a game this weekend. Uh, <laughs> Horizon Zero Dawn remastered and multiplayer games are apparently in development. Uh, so this new story originally came from uh, a known uh, multi leaker. Game, multi, multiple game, multiplayer.com. Yeah, mpfirst.com. Like yeah. um, but uh, Video Games Chronicles and a couple other websites did like basically say like their sources are checking out the same thing. Uh, but yeah, so um, apparently PlayStation is looking into remastering Horizon Zero Dawn for the PS5 um with basically the this would have improved lighting animations uh new character models and quality of life improvements and along with that uh looks like they are developing a horizon zero dawn multiplayer game uh though there's no details on like is it a co-op game is it a multiplayer game is it a battle royale game who knows exactly what type of game if it's pve pvp uh no one knows. Uh, it could just be co-op. But Dave, a remaster of Horizon Zero Dawn, probably for seventy dollars. Um, no, too soon. Um, no, I don't think it's too soon. It came out in twenty seventeen, so it's been five years. It's not out right uh, now. Is, so, right, it is older than Spider Man. Then Spider Man has been remastered, um, and. It, I don't, you know, I don't think it's necessarily crazy or, you know, the the outcry that I've seen on social media this week is why that and why not this, not why this. Yeah. 
it's 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 not like why are you like why are you continuing to do this? Sony's continuing to do this because obviously people are continuing to purchase them. Yeah, so I've uh, to purchase these games in like two years yeah. too. And if <laughs> if they get any even remote backing of what we've seen from the Witcher show and the Cyberpunk show that have done the video games, <laughs> this would line up with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms of like Cyberpunk's been having its best month on the heels of the anime cyberpunk show that's on Netflix and Witcher three saw a huge increase in its concurrent player count when the Witcher Netflix show came out. Both seasons. So, <laughs> like it's a huge yeah. increase. So it's the, the data is there to say, release a show. You'll see some stuff, which is, you know, again, probably why the last of us part one got a remake very close to when the show is coming out and why Sony doesn't necessarily care how well it does in September, October, because if more people watch the show and then they find out there's a game about it and they want to buy the game, then whether you buy the game in September when it comes out or in February when the show comes out, they don't care. Yeah. <laughs> so, also, that trailer for The um, Last of Us, fantastic. Yes. Like, if you saw <laughs> yeah. the, the trailer for the show. I did, and, we're, and my, my, I think Angela's game to watch the show until every time she's she's cool with what she sees on the trailers until she sees a clicker. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I don't know if I want to watch that. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, like, I don't... I don't care that it's a that, that there's a remaster happening. Um, and again, like from my perspective, like I talked about last week about playing Horizon Zero Dawn and Horizon Forbidden West both in 2022. Um, I'm I'm a little horizoned out, uh, um, but this is not a shock. This is not a like totally crazy to me. Do I think it needs it? I don't. I they, mean, I played it. I played Zero Dawn on PS5 with the 60 frames. I was going to say update. they patched it I, for I PS5. I thought it already. looked good. Yeah. I thought it ran great. Like I didn't feel like I was playing. I didn't realize I was or wasn't playing a five-year-old game. But I'm not a visual candy kind of person either. Like, like yeah, it looks pretty. It looks cool. But in but two if I'm years, fun with the game, I don't care. After Forbidden West, if you could go to Horizon Zero Dawn, you'd probably be like, they improved a lot. Uh, if you went yeah. backwards, the only thing that the only time I ever noticed the visual dramaticness like i said a year ago or whatever when i played miles morales i played miles morales on the ps5 owen wanted to play it and he was playing on the ps4 and i went to help him with something i was like woof this looks worse yeah like i saw that and that was because i had just played miles morales like a couple either a couple hours earlier or a day or so earlier and then i was playing on a worse tv and on a ps4 and i was like okay wow there's a difference here like i saw that um but no i don't i I'm actually more intrigued about this multiplayer game. The rumors are flying all around about co-op, and if you're gonna make like a like a Monster Hunter esque type yeah. of game in the Horizon world that's cooperative, that sounds cool. Yeah. So uh, apparently the the multiplayer game they were working on simultaneously with Zero Dawn, but they scrapped it. Um, but it sounds like it was very similar to Monster Hunter in how it worked. Well, it sounds like the game was initially supposed to have co-op. Yeah, no, that's what Horizon I mean. Horizon Zero yeah, Dawn it was, was supposed to have co-op. They were working on yeah. multiplayer with Horizon Zero Dawn, but they had to scrap it. And I wonder if they scrapped it because it was too similar to Monster Hunter, and Monster Hunter World was, like, just mm-hmm. about to come out at that time. So they were just like, okay, we can't compete with that, so let's just focus on single player. Right. So if they're going well, back to that concept... has a multiplayer pedigree. Yeah, yeah, they have a, a shooter pedigree. And... Yeah. If they wanted to stay away from Monster Hunter at the time, but they want to take another shot at it, I'm all in favor of that. And I'm not even a Horizon mm-hmm. fan, really. Uh, but yes, give me uh, Monster Hunter with robot 
dinosaurs and maybe like a more streamlined co-op experience that doesn't involve yeah, I mean the, the, the scale shit. that I saw the scale of, of the the dinosaur the robotic dinosaurs that I saw in Forbidden West as comparison to Zero Dawn was crazy mm-hmm. like that like the the mastodon thing looked awesome yeah and to 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 have something with and again I played the game on story mode I'll talk a little bit more about it in a little bit but to have something that has a combat thing of where okay you know just immediately like okay michael you're the healer i'm the trapper and johnny's the damager like mm-hmm. like the like the cooperativeness that could be happening in that of why you're doing that is is crazy high yeah like in terms of like what that could what that would feel like what that could be like um, especially if and, it could be like open world like horizon as opposed to monster hunter yeah. you would go into it was open world ish but you'd be going into like arenas yeah. uh so if they can get that open world aspect too we're just great. like you're just you're, you guys are each exploring you're like 200 yards apart from each other like i got something all right and everybody else tries to get over there as quick as i can could be really you know? cool <laughs> like, yeah that yeah. would probably get me into the ryzen franchise because i did like monster hunter right. despite monster hunter's like convoluted multiplayer system uh that they don't seem to ever want to streamline <laughs> uh but yeah uh next story um Halo is apparently abandoning uh, Slipspace Engine, which is the current engine that they use, uh, and they are going to go Unreal. Uh, so this report uh, hasn't been confirmed, but uh, this is another one where multiple people in industry basically confirm the story. Uh, so this basically sounds like 343 Studios. The big thing that they were dealing with is people just kind of thought at first Halo Infinite didn't look that good. Uh, it didn't look next gen, and then they had to work on it for what, like, was it two years? Basically, it was delayed for mm-hmm. them just to get it to look good. And even then, it it still showed signs uh, that the engine just couldn't keep up. So, sounds like they're moving to Unreal Engine for their next set of games. Whether uh, this is that, like, rumored Battle Royale, um, or just, like, the next sequel to Halo Infinite, which... I feel like you can't do a sequel to Halo Infinite because the name is Infinite. <laughs> but that's that's their problem to figure out a, a naming scheme. Uh, this isn't like unheard of. Like uh, Square Enix announced like, uh, you know, they moved Kingdom Hearts uh, off the uh, Luminous engine to the Unreal engine. Uh, CD Projekt Red, which we'll talk about next, uh, they said they were no longer using their own engine. They're going to be using Unreal Engine. Uh, this kind of hopefully will help 343 out because as we know unreal engine is a very friendly engine to work with so 343 ideally can focus more on mechanics story gameplay as opposed to making sure the engine looks pretty or will it work or will it work yes like yeah like somebody can we talked about this before like the benefits of signing a contract with an with an engine publisher um, they deal with like the tech side of it. They know it. They know it frontwards and backwards. You have a meeting with a team and say, this is what we desire. And they'll say, yeah, we can do it. Or no, you can't. Yeah. You have to change it versus them trying to like brute force it, which is what I think they tried to do with infinite. Um, so uh, yeah, this sounds fantastic to me, whether you're a halo fan or not a halo fan, but any way that any way that Xbox right now can currently possibly cut down any of its development time to get more stuff out sooner is a good thing. Yeah. Even if it means they abandon infinite, like a couple years earlier than they planned to. Uh, Cause I don't know if they had, 
a roadmap for infinite of like this is a 10-year game uh and they're gonna have to be like mm, this is actually a three and a year half game because our next game is going to be on unreal engine or they can still technically use infinite and just rebuild it in unreal engine and then just kind of transition people out of that uh, bungie did something similar they didn't they didn't rip apart the entire engine but they pretty much said when something came out like Okay, you're going to have to re-download this whole game because we had to do some major overhauling on the back end and you have to reinstall it. Like, Yeah. It, it could be as drastic as that. Because um, it'd be weird if they... That, that wasn't a full engine change, no, no. though, but that was a massive engine tweak that they did. Yeah, to where if they tell people like, hey, this is now Halo Infinite, we're sunsetting that. Basically do what uh, Blizzard's doing with Overwatch. Yeah. <laughs> where they're right. like, we're and, killing yeah, the first same, one. Same thing. Yeah. Uh, and here's Overwatch 2. Yeah, they they could end up doing something like that. Uh, but I thought that was interesting because it's another big company moving away from their own custom engine and moving to Unreal Engine, uh, which seems to be the the pattern now. Because uh, I believe uh, Crystal Dynamics basically announced like, hey, we're moving full time to Unreal Engine for like the next Tomb Raider game and future projects. Uh, so Epic Games uh, still making <laughs> making all their money on their engines. Mm-hmm uh so yeah uh we'll see how that affects halo infinite um if that means we're probably closer to the next halo game announcement than we thought uh now that they don't have to worry about the engine though they probably have to like Mm -hmm. you might not have your full staff like know how the ins and outs of unreal engine so they might have to do some restaffing or some retraining along the way though i don't know how game development works but i would assume you know you have everyone working specifically on this one engine and then you're like we're switching engines some people are gonna have to possibly learn some new tricks uh uh to to make things work Hmm. all right last news story uh this is dave's favorite type of thing uh when a publisher announces a shit ton of games with no timelines uh, and they're still ah, working on patches. I'm actually kind of, I'm kind of okay with this. Okay. Um, just because I, I, I like wrote. I don't like this last part where they're talking about like a new IP, but I like them saying like, "Here's what we're doing with this." You know, mm-hmm. with the like, and and uh, and I'll let you get into it. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, CD Projekt Red announced was it one, two, three, four, five, five games basically today uh and an expansion pack or confirm that an expansion pack is still coming uh but let's start with the witcher uh so the witcher is going to get a new trilogy so witcher 4 which is actively in development um will be the beginning of a new trilogy um that is going to basically carry on like the size and scope that you expected from witcher 3 so it's going to continue that size and scope and then they announced uh witcher Sirius. Uh, which is from the Molasses Flood, and Canis Morgeris, uh, which is from a third-party studio that is built by former Witcher developers. So, three Witcher titles, uh, the Canis Majoris and the Sirius game, those are being, like, dubbed, like, smaller Witcher experiences. So, they're not going... Isn't it? technically five games that they announced in the witcher franchise um one two three it's a new trilogy oh yeah technically it's a new trilogy but the way they put it in their announcement yeah 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 uh so the the non-trilogy games are going to be open world rpgs but they're going to be on a slightly smaller scale uh so 
imagine maybe like Witcher 1 and 2, those were like 20-hour RPGs, and then Witcher 3 was a 100-hour okay. RPG. So we're yeah. probably looking at a scale of Witcher 1 and 2 for these other games. Um, with, I believe, uh, the Molasses Flood one, the serious one, is going to be significantly more story-focused. We don't even know if that like what that game's going to exactly look like, but they're talking about that game as being very innovative. So I don't know what exactly that means, uh, but at least for the Canis Majoris one, that is going to be an open world game on a smaller scale, uh, which sounds like a way for them to like keep the Witcher franchise from going stagnant or from having droughts of no content. So like the idea that they have a new trilogy plus these two additional games in development means their way of their way of making games as a service without making a service game yeah this almost reminds me of the ubisoft uh yeah. infinite the assassin's creed thing yeah the assassin's yeah. creed thing where it's just like yeah we're just gonna make some smaller games and we're still making bigger games so it sounds like there, and and go ahead oh no no go, go ahead and i was gonna say the reason why i'm okay with this is because for the most part like we don't have to ask the question anymore of like what are you doing with the witcher next like they they get out in front of it and they say here are our plans for the Witcher and then transitioning here are our plans for Cyberpunk so they're being very clear and that's this is what I like um, and I and and I was okay with um, even with the Assassin's Creed thing because I thought that they were being very clear of what their intentions are what I don't like like we've talked about is like hey we signed Amy Henning and she's gonna make a thing yeah I, I to your point and then also with the Witcher stuff. They at least announced the two studios that are working on the side games. So it's not like um, when massive. We, hi- we we hired Phil Harrison to make a Witcher game. When, when yeah. What Witcher game is it? When it's coming? I don't know, but it's Witcher. Or like <laughs> Xbox with Obsidian of like Obsidian's working on five yeah. games. And it's just like, when are they going to yeah. have the time? And at least we know right. like in-house CD Projekt Red, they're making a trilogy for the Correct. Witcher. Yeah. This other studio who are also former Witcher developers are making another game. Yep. And then this other studio that they acquired last year are making another Witcher game. Uh, and then they said uh, Phantom Liberty, which is the cyberpunk 2077 expansion pack is in the final stages of production, though there is no timeline on exactly when that's going to come out. Um, and then they announced uh, they are going ahead with a cyberpunk 2077 sequel from CD project red themselves. Uh, project name orion or oron mm-hmm. um and i assume this is basically them being like yo that anime got us a hundred thousand concurrent players on steam there's life in this yeah. because they they yeah. fixed cyberpunk 2077 but it's not quite where it should be still to this day i mean i think they got served a serious piece of humble pie and they're like okay but we're still CD Projekt Red. Yeah, we still are selling a shit ton of copies. And they can't fuck up Cyberpunk 2077 twice. <laughs> you know, like at right. this point, I assume this will change exactly how they approach it. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm hoping since the anime seems to have given them a boost, they look at why the anime is successful. And I just started watching anime, but I think what helps is Cyberpunk 2077, you create a character, and they kind of have the, have the character be pretty generic because it's a creative character. The anime has a main protagonist, 
has a set personality, has a set look. Mm-hmm. And if you look mm-hmm. at the Witcher franchise, to the Witcher. Yeah, <laughs> Geralt is Geralt. He's a set yeah. character. He has a certain look. You can adjust him a little bit, but he has a personality and you're playing that character. And I think that's what people wanted from. Yeah. You're playing Geralt. Red. You're not playing your character in cyberpunk. Yes. Like, and I, and I think that as much as people want that, I think that they realize that maybe they don't want it. Or they don't want that from CD Projekt Red. Yeah. Uh, Just like, um, like Fallout had the same thing where like your protagonist never talked in like three and I think New Vegas. And then in four, your character talked and people were like, what the fuck? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like the opposite of what they wanted. So I think this is something that maybe they can look into for the next one of just like, what if we just have a set character that goes through the story as opposed to create a character. Cause as fun as it is adjusting your dick size, uh, maybe it's an unnecessary character, uh, creation thing that you need to, to worry about. Maybe we can make cars not shoot out of the ground if you don't have to do that. Yeah. You know, maybe if we focused less on character creation, we could have worked on like <laughs> AI Open world mechanics. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe characters wouldn't disappear when you like turned around. Uh, so hopefully that like, they, they take a little bit from like, why is the anime successful? Because the anime shouldn't be successful because Cyberpunk 2077 was such a train wreck. You know, like, why would anyone give a shit about the anime? Uh, and turns out like, oh, it's because the characters are compelling. Well, and because people feel anything cyberpunk is cool. Yeah. And interesting right now. And you can tell that the, that the people and the players were excited for any cyberpunk style game. And now that it's every, it, like it seems like every patch or everything, it gets a little bit better. And you know, like it's just like, what they've been able to do is with this over the last year, 18 months, two years almost now is, is borderline better. It is better than what Bungie's done with destiny. What Ubisoft's done with the division, what any, I mean, any of these, like even what Ubisoft done with rainbow six, like this is better mm-hmm. because this is not a multiplayer driven game. Yeah. Uh, it, and it finds ways to have life and, sell copies at a consistent rate i mean that's got me thinking i should check it out and i'm like i have like no desire to play this game but that many people playing and thinking about it and talking about it are like hmm like yeah and it's funny i still think the game's mediocre um mm-hmm. you know like i don't think there's i think fundamentally there's things that could never be fixed with that game to right. make it compelling but i would be interested to see what they learned for a sequel yeah again they're sitting around the table hey we can do this like no stupid that that caused problems before. Knock it off. Yeah. <laughs> or like, hey, <laughs> here's how it broke, and here's how we can avoid it breaking again. Yeah. And they can like really implement their plans. Uh, and then they announced a new IP. It's got a project code name, uh, but no <laughs> details was given on that. And I think that's funny. Like, I don't think anyone gives. They could have sh- done without. Yeah. That. No one gives a shit about that new IP uh, because that sounds like that could be like ten years away. <laughs> because CD Projekt Red's big, but they're not that big. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, CD Projekt Red. But like you said, it's it's kind of like a hey, come work for us. Like we're mm-hmm. doing this. Like, do you want to do a new concept with The Witcher and Cyberpunk devs? Yeah, it's like hey, like, our stock price is really fucking down from where it was yeah. pre Cyberpunk, <laughs> and also please come work for us uh, because we we got the number one show on Netflix and we had a hundred thousand concurrent players on Steam two years after release. So yeah, come work for us. 
Yeah. Um, you you didn't put this in here, so like the last thing, I, and I didn't say anything to you before we started recording because I kind of forgot about it. But did you see the stuff about Herman Hall speaking today? Um, you'd have to remind me because I did see a couple different posts about the single so player. So for the game for the most stuff. part, he yeah he talked about like um, uh, first party games will come to PC essentially a year after launch. Like there we go. like uh, that's like kind of like a plan. Um, live service games will come to PC day and date. Um, and their ability to put games on PC just helps them bolster their their first party studios. So it it wasn't anything like crazy. Um, they are still talking about mobile. Um, you know, so but at least they're acquiring it, mobile studios to do that work. Correct. It's interesting to me that they really kind of said like the plan's going to be like a year. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's super super interesting to me. So like as an example, is God of War Ragnarok this time next year going to be on PC? Um, and, and that's interesting that they've actually put like a hard date on that because I think personally that long-term like this could affect console sales. That's what I was going to, that's exactly when I saw the news story earlier was just like, well, shit, if I'm on PC, I'm like, I could wait a year. There's other games to play right now. Well, so it's like, take, so literally take me as an example. Like it took me four years to play Horizon Zero Dawn. So then by that matter, it would have been on PC. And then it took me another six or seven months to play Forbidden West, which meant, which would have meant I only would have had to wait another four months. And did months. you feel Could like your life sure. is worse because you waited? Nothing was spoiled for me. I was able to avoid it. I still have not been spoiled on Ghost of Tsushima, um, and I haven't played it. <laughs> um, I own there, it. But I know what you mean, yeah. Yeah. You know, but story elements like anything that hasn't happened. Like there was a concern, like with you and I, with like Last of Us Part Two, of like, hey, we got to get through this. But that was different. Something's gonna happen. That was different because yeah. there was all those leaks before the game came out. But I don't really think right. I saw spoilers after the game came out. So like a, a year, like putting that on there, and 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 he, and he, I think I'd have to go find the article. I think he said all games. Like so, like for them to say like everything is going to, like so. If we see an Uncharted Five and it comes out in june of 2024 that means in june of 2025 it's going to be on pc well and um like sackboy's coming to pc sackboy adventure correct and yep. i would never guess sackboy would be a game that they would put effort into right. not that it's a good or bad game uh but and that the other it's coming to pc the other factor that's yeah the other factor that's into that is typically by then you would get the quote-unquote game of the year edition or you'd get the better version of the game that they've patched and adjusted and listened to player feedback and changed some things so you and and you get all the fov settings and you get the frame rate they're getting that information from building the pc version out because the systems are so similar now at this point i know pc's still better but you know the architecture is still there to where they're like hey we we added this feature to pc if we tweak it a little bit we can put that on playstation and then it just makes yeah, sense. Yeah, but it, it. like it, ultimately, it'll it, if they allow the the ability to not cap stuff like they like they had like like all the PC versions of everything that has come out. Days Gone, God of War, right? Is God of War on yes. PC? Yes. Um, Horizon Zero Zero Dawn. Like these versions are better than what's on the consoles. Yeah, which like, they're which better. makes me think that the one year thing doesn't mean like oh we need an extra year to develop it it means it's probably f- finished which we're, we're trying to protect our console yeah, so we're just going to sit on it for a year basically the nintendo and method. that's fine like that, that that that's that's sony doing it is fine i just think a year's too soon a year might be too soon but i'm sure there's still some flexibility uh in terms of like will it be an exact year or where they'd be like yeah we'll save that for spring but at least it shows mm-hmm. that like a at a minimum, you're going to be waiting a year, uh, and then it'll flex on that. 
it, like, but like right now, I'm kind of getting to the point where there's a possibility that PS5 and Series X are the last boxes I buy. Yeah, especially as you move towards PC stuff, like it could be. Mm-hmm. Especially, it's PC gaming is still kind of a pain in the ass, but it's getting better over the last like mm-hmm. five years in terms of like shit works. You know, you're not. But Goth- Gotham Knights is there's a debate right now in my mind about Gotham Knights. Like, do I go PC? But then I can't play with friends, you know, because I don't have PC friends, you know. So like that's kind of where the the discourse is happening in my mind. But it also is like when when PlayStation and Discord get off their ass and fix their whatever and like xbox has and make it work to where i can play you know it, and i'm not saying that gotham knights would or wouldn't support a cross-play functionality but to where like the platform won't matter like where i'm playing whether it's destiny or rainbow six or whatever i can just get on the game talk to my friends and play like it and like my, i could be playing on my computer my son could be playing on his console you could be playing on the phone on the train mm-hmm. and we don't know yeah you know, like like that world when when we're getting closer and closer to that every day. Yeah. And like it just and I, I can't wait for platform just to not matter. It would be great for, for, for that to happen. We're getting there, we're getting there. Yep. Uh, but but that's it for, for news. Yep. So something is delayed and this is getting to Last Guardian level. <laughs> Almost. Uh, Ubisoft yeah. has the other game that's already at Last Guardian level. Beyond Good and Evil Two was announced in two thousand eight, yeah. I think. So. <laughs> okay. So Skull and Bones has been delayed from November to sometime next year. To March. Yeah. I think they said March. Um, a friend of mine said, "Ooh, they're really trying to run away from God of War." Um, I think that that probably played a factor into it a little bit, but it's busy um, as fuck. Yeah next february yeah. march yeah so but i also think that they're whether they're trying to be acquired or not trying to be acquired or trying to really make sure that what they release is solid like this you know this is definitely not the ubisoft of old where it's like okay get it out and it's a service game and we'll continue to patch it and make it better and when patch 1.0 comes out that'll be the real version of it like this is them going it's not ready this just the i honestly it coming out in March makes me think they're going to try and get it out like the day before the fiscal year ends. So it doesn't fuck up their books mm-hmm. for that fiscal mm-hmm. year. So it's a, it's a bad mark on the next fiscal year and they can work themselves out of that hole as opposed mm-hmm. to being like, yeah, the game we released this holiday fucking tanked. And then yep. it, it'd be something that like they would it's, suffer at this for. point in time. It's probably better to shareholders to say, Hey, we didn't release anything this holiday. We put a bunch of this stuff on sale. We did some quality of life changes to these games. Look at the increase of sales in it. Oh, yeah, Skull and Bones came out, but it came out at the end of the year, so we don't really have any real data on yeah. it. So. And, and it won't affect our <laughs> stock price or our financial stuff because it's only yep. been out for a couple weeks. All right, uh, what we're planning on watching. You want to go first? Uh, yeah, I'll keep this brief since we went kind of long this week. Um, <laughs> for the most part... Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, for the most part, it's just been uh, Rumbleverse uh, for me. I've, I had a really good fucking day yesterday where I ended up getting like four wins uh, in one session out of like ten matches, which is really good for me. Uh, and um, that's pretty much it. Uh, for for playing like i honestly haven't had too much time we're we're gonna go on a like a, a cabin trip this weekend so i've just been kind of like getting supplies for that being like do we need pear mace i don't know 
um and just looking at like how do you make do we need what bear what mace beer uh, bear okay. Oh, okay, uh, and you. being like huh do i know how to start a fire uh dave's laughing because probably because he's like i'm a boy scout but dave i don't know any of that stuff uh so i've just been like looking into stuff blowtorch like blowtorch yeah matches <laughs> seem to be pretty good uh hopefully no force fires um and i've just been like researching that and i did start the cyberpunk and for the for the record i i, I can't start a fire with a bag of fritos but i'm just saying blowtorch okay i don't i don't know what like that's a it's a weird humble brag um <laughs> But I have really thick glasses, so I think I might be able to do something with those. Oh my uh, and uh, I, so I did start the Cyberpunk uh, Edge Runners anime. Uh, the first episode did nothing for me, uh, but the second episode was actually really good, and I'm, I'm probably going to continue watching that. I do feel like I don't know. A, a lot of people are, are like into the the anime i think i still have the problem of like the game story sucked so I, this anime <laughs> is starting a couple points ahead which is unfair to the anime to be completely honest that i'm like holding the game against yep. it uh but it's starting to turn a corner though i do feel like so animes usually have really good theme songs uh like that are specifically made for that anime uh cyberpunk edge runners just uses a franz fernandance art song which makes me think it's a good song, uh, but I don't think it fits the anime quite right. Uh, which makes me think that like they didn't want to put the money into like making an original song, so they just like licensed a random song, and are like, "Hey, let's just license this song. We don't want to put too much effort in because we don't know if this is going to be successful because the game bombed and we announced this anime when we thought this game was going to be the biggest thing in the world." Uh, mm-hmm. So. I have a feeling if they get a season two, they'll probably change the theme song to something that fits the show a little bit better. Uh, but overall, like, you know, I'm only like two, three episodes in. It's, it's pretty good. Uh, like I'll probably, I'll probably finish nice. it. It's not going to make me play the game. Like I'll tell you that much. <laughs> it's not going to get me to play the game, but it's at least a decent anime. All right. Uh, for me, I finished uh, Horizon Forbidden West. I put the game on story mode and I finished it with about, I think I was like 27, 28 hours in. Um, I'm a little irritated, though, that, you know, when you look at the statistics and stuff like that, I only got less than 30% of the game completed. Now, granted, I know I only focused on the main I was going to say, you can't be like, oh, man, I didn't touch any of the side quests. And apparently I'm missing a lot of the side quests. But I, the problem that I have with it is a couple of people that I've talked to like that have done more of it or that have gone through the whole thing is like, oh, yeah, like the side stuff just kind of builds the world a little bit better, but it doesn't really have any effect on the game. So it's like 70% of your stuff is – this is a bad word for it, but 70% of the content in your game is kind of fluff. No, and that's a problem that like I think I, I had with the first Horizon is that none of the side stuff felt of consequence – uh, right. It was just it, it had the Ubisoft thing that I hate about Ubisoft open yeah. world games where the side stuff is like whatever where I want that there's Witcher a couple stuff. there's yeah there's yeah there's a couple companion characters that I care about and I want to do some of those somebody told me like hey just if you really want to get more out like do the companion stuff that's talking about the characters that you've picked up as companions in the game um, story wise I thought the main storyline was phenomenal I, I still stand by my take of like too much dialogue in the game like just too much dialogue there was a dialogue or i'll call it like a like a dialogue cut scene that happens in the game between between aloy and another character that no joke i feel like went on for about 45 or 50 minutes that's funny. of me like not playing 
like not playing the game other than like picking conversation directions. And I was fascinated enough in the conversation that was going on that I wanted to see each arc of the conversation. So I was clicking on each thing and then asking like and asking the follow up questions. Um, so yeah, yeah, like so. Um, but that's like Curry. That's what they're like. There's a guy that you need to help with an arm, and like that's the companion. I haven't done. And I I literally, I literally played the main quest line. Like I went through it and it took me start to finish on story mode over 25 hours to do the main quest line, which is fine. The story was great. The last mission was cool. What they've done with uh, what they did with the, the, the characters and the companions, um, uh, it, were, were fantastic. And, and the end mission, it might've gone a little, little over the top on the sci-fi thing for me. Um, and they're totally setting up a third one, by the way. Um, so, <laughs> but it, it's it's fantastic uh, you know a couple of people was like oh it's my game of the year right now with that with Elden Ring it's it, it it didn't hold my attention enough to be game of the year but I wanted to play it and I wanted to play it this year and I think 50% of the reason why it's not holding my attention enough to be game of the year is because I played Zero Dawn this year so I might have just have too much Horizon mm. in one year Um, so I it for right now what they were able to do with Forbidden West only ups the ante of what I expect Santa Monica to be doing with Ragnarok. Okay. <laughs> so I like I, I have very high expectations for Ragnarok. Um, I also played on Xbox. I played Grounded. Uh, I played with Randy, I who to, plays uh, Destiny and some other that, games. Didn't get a chance to play it. Yeah. Um, so you, you've got a first person and third person perspective. Um, this is um one of the games that I legitimately might actually try to play on mouse and keyboard. Okay. Um, it just and I'd have to see what I could like what what I could hotkey or what I could switch the different buttons because the controls on a controller feel a little clunky. Like crafting is here, hold this down, get this, put this, look up, grab this. You know whether and I try. I immediately went to third person perspective. I watched some other people stream it and they were playing a first person perspective. I'm like, okay, well maybe I should play in first person and that's a little easier. Um, it has a little bit more survival aspects than I expected it to have. Like early on, like you have to make sure that you're getting water for your character and food for your character to keep the stamina going. I understand it's a, a survival game, but it kind of like punched me in the face a little bit of like, I'm running out of water. Like I have yeah, to go find water to continue playing the game. Yes. You know, like like that's that's a little jarring for me. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a good thing. It was just a little bit more unexpected than what I thought. Did you turn spiders off? No. Okay. Good man. Good man. <laughs> um, so uh, I streamed it on Twitch about an hour, hour and a half. Um, I may or may not go back to it. It's a little confusing to me because you can kind of start your own worlds and somebody joins you, but they kind of start over where they are. So it kind of has that Minecraft aspect to it of where you have individual bubbles, mm-hmm. like individual world bubbles, and you have single player, you have multiplayer. So I, I thought I named the world, but I don't know if, if my if Randy can find it if I'm not playing it. So like there's there's a lot of like a little bit of weird dynamics to it. It could just be a basic mis- misunderstanding for me. Um, it has a crafting system. It has you know a carry system. It has you know that that stuff. And the backyard that you're in looks awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it looks. So it looked cool. good in uh, open a- uh, open or early access. So I can imagine it's probably yeah. significantly better now. I, I will yeah. probably play so, that before I go on my trip this week. Yeah, I, I'm not 100 percent sure if I would ever like. I, I don't see myself playing this game by myself. Um. But some of the, like a little bit of the streams that I've watched of some people and some YouTube videos, like the end game stuff, like I'm always intrigued by end game stuff. It looks really cool where you're like building a base or building a house. Mm-hmm. 
and you're protecting it. And like that part looks really cool to me. It looks like the main story might only like take like 10 hours. So like that doesn't sound like terrible. Um, and then if that's kind of more of the tutorial of how to get yourself ready for like a, almost like a survival tower defense style thing, that sounds interesting to me. Um, it's just a matter of if I think I can get through the 10 hours. This, this seems like the type of game this would be perfect for. I know we don't get Christmas break, but you know, like that, like kind of yeah. like the Thanksgiving weekend, you know, where things kind of yeah. can calm down a little bit. I know that doesn't really necessarily become a thing for, <laughs> for either one of us, but like, it seems like that type of game where it's just like when you have a couple of days off from work, you kind of dive into as opposed to like, uh, let's call, let, let, let's uh, send a message out to the boys and let's all hop on grounded. Even though that's yeah. what it's aiming for. I just don't know if it, right. it, it can be that. So. Um, but yeah, uh, other than that, I really haven't, I didn't really watch a lot of stuff. I was just like, I, I got into Horizon and I was enjoying it. Did I probably mainline the main quest too much? Yeah. But is that what I wanted to do when I played the game? Yeah. Yeah. Like I wanted to see what was going on with the story, so, um, so yeah, uh, we had a very a, a, a basic question, but we'll move it to next week. We're we're running a little long today, so sorry about that, guys. So um, yep, that's our show. So you can follow us on the socials. Uh, the Twitter main account is at Digital Days Pod. Michael's is at the first MJC. Maybe he'll put pictures of him trying to build a fire and start it because I'd probably be entertained by that. It's just me <laughs> holding my glasses and hoping there's sunlight. <laughs> Um, and you can follow myself on Twitter at Good Dave Hunt. Um, I've been a little, uh, a little bit more sports focused on Twitter than than recently. A little bit more, blocked, like some fun. of the, yeah, some of the stuff with uh, Tua Tungavailoa and his concussion stuff has been interesting. Um, but uh, you can follow, uh, you can join the Facebook group, um, you can join the Discord server, and you can check out our Patreon. So patreoncom slash Gaming. Uh, with that, I hope everyone has a great week. Uh, keep moving forward. Talk to you later. Don't be a dick. See ya.